0: Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business-growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also has strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and an education partner with the Shopify-approved course, 1,000 Sales and Beyond. He's the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify, Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years' experience in digital marketing, from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi everybody,
1: and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. My name's Nick, I'm gonna be hosting the show today as I do every single week. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. And also, if you could spare a couple of minutes or even do it while you're listening, if you could just give us a little five stars on the various app stores or podcasts, platforms you're listening to us on, That would really really help us out we absolutely love running this thing and we're keen to get the message out there to more people we've got more guests coming along over the next few months and we're going to continue to give as much expert advice as we can on the podcast so giving us five little stars on whatever your podcasting tool is would really help us out so if you could do that really really appreciate it this week we're doing something quite different so we are between a couple of series we've just finished the series which I think was about three, maybe four, probably three parts, um, depending on how many we had recorded by the time this episode goes out. But I think it was about three parts with Shopify store owners. So we'd asked some Shopify store owners how they got started, how things are growing, and deliberately chose three that are incredibly successful. Even if their stores don't necessarily look the part or they're not quite up to scratch, they're killing it in terms of customer acquisition and making good revenue. So please do go back and listen to all of those episodes since the start of the year. We've had the Rare Tea Company, who are really, really good friends of mine and have been for, for quite a few years. And we also had a couple of others as well. So go back and check those out if you haven't already. Um, today, we are going to be doing a bit of a bonus episode ahead of a new series that we're doing next week in partnership with Bright Pearl. So next week, we've got one of Bright Pearl's Shopify Plus customers coming on the show to talk about how to build trust. And the week after that, we have got Trustpilot themselves, as in the review platform. Um, I personally have been working with Trustpilot for several years now. So very, very excited about that. Today though, I've got a very, very special guest, and the reason I say very, very special is that he's actually part of my team here at Parker. So without further ado, Byron, welcome to the show. Hey Nick, how's it going? Yeah, good. Just, um, I don't know what the weather's going to be like when this goes out, but it's currently white and snowy.
2: I know. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, all good. Same with me, same with me. Um... Very, very snowy today, but I uh, can't complain. Can't complain. It's good to be here. Good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Just before we dive in, do you want to just give us a
1: quick overview of your role at Parker as well? Just for, Obviously, I know what you do because uh, I was the one who hired you, but uh, yeah. <laughs> if you'd like to just give everyone a quick um, quick overview to your role and, uh, you know, and at
2: what point they might have a conversation with you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm one of the senior consultants here at Parker. So that basically means that I talk with clients, help guide the clients through the process, help build out those strategies, and also manage the team as well to ensure that we're getting the tasks done and getting the best results possible for our clients. Fantastic. So
1: as Byron says, if anybody was to get in touch, we'll start working with um, any of our packages. And we have got a new website coming out imminently, and it may even be out by the time this podcast goes out uh, on air. So um, if you want to work with us, Byron's going to be one of the people who will probably be at the end of the phone if you choose the uh, the packages that have consultants in there. So yeah, keep an eye on the new website. It's going to be out probably in the next few days, if it's not already at this point. But yeah, so Byron's part of our team there. So today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. We've had so many questions coming in over the last few years from Shopify stores. So we've decided to do a bit of a bonus episode today, talking about the top ten things that Nick and Byron, so myself and Byron, r- recommend that you avoid if you want to grow your store. So 10 mistakes that people generally make as they're growing a store. So Byron, if you want to take us away on the first point on your list, we're going to do five each. So um, yeah,
2: kick us off. Okay. So my number one is don't try to sell to everyone. Know your customer, know who you're trying to target and know who like where your focus is. I think a lot of people, they're worried about lacking in sales. So they try and market to as many people as they can. But as a result, you, you don't really tend to appeal to anyone from what I see anyway, from my experience. Would you agree, Nick? Yeah, definitely. I think
1: target target audience is a difficult one because what we often find and of what certainly what we've been doing in my team at Spec for years now is we often find that the target customer and the actual customer are completely different. And as soon as you then align your target customer profile to your actual customer target profile, so it's actually saying who are the actual customers we've got. Once you start working and trying to appeal to those guys in terms of your imagery, your brand awareness, audiences you set up for advertising that kind of thing, we often find the results just come flying in. I think it's it's such an easy thing to do to just go our target audience is my mum, my sister, my brother, sort of thing, and it's like. Well, they're three people and there's 67 million in the UK alone, way more in the US, way more. I think it's like seven or eight billion globally now. So I think, yeah, you've got to try not to be too narrow minded with your target audience, but also make sure that you know who is actually buying, like, you know, what gender are they? Where are they based? What are their interests? And also, most importantly, we'll come on to some of our other points. What was the reason they bought that product from you at that time on that device, all that sort of stuff?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I
1: agree. What what would you, uh, what's your first point? My first one, and just to clarify as well, these aren't in any kind of order. I probably should have said that, but um, yeah, we, these aren't in any kind of order. So they, they just are, are top 10 and there is not a number one or anything like that. But um, my, my first one, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast and I've tried to use ones from previous episodes in my list, but use your website as yourself and be super critical about it. So the thing to avoid here is just assuming that I've got a great website. Don't you dare offend my website. Every website, as we know, could always be improved. What works today won't work tomorrow. You could have an amazing website this afternoon and all your competitors improve theirs. So then your website needs to hold up with that. So rewinding the clock back to, I think it was August, last year probably august around that time we had chris marshall from On State on the podcast and i've quoted him a lot since that episode partly because he's a genius and partly because he said some really interesting things and one of them was go and use your website like sit down with somebody and show them your website and say use the website get stuck think out loud i'm not going to say anything i'm just going to take notes and then you can find out where's your website broken what doesn't make sense And then also, if you start to look at the journeys, like people arriving from Google shopping, they're going to land straight on a product page. So then you need to make sure that product page
2: is good enough to make a buying decision. What what are your thoughts, Byron, on that? Couldn't agree more. I think as a business owner, sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the design and making sure, because you know, obviously you're you might be building the site yourself. So you get really wrapped up in that side of it and you forget about the actual customer journey and the actual where the opportunities are, if there's any missed opportunities. And yeah, so I couldn't agree more with that. Cool, cool. And what's your next tip on your list then, Byron? Okay, so my next one is, and I suppose this is more targeted at like dropship stores and things like that, but um, don't stock every product possible mm. so have a focus i've noticed in that in the, especially in the in the last few years in e-commerce drop shipping stores have definitely become more and more popular And as a result, the ones that tend to do very well are the ones that have a focus. So when you go onto the site, they are focused in just one area and selling a a particular range of products. And they've created a brand around those products. And I think that's really important. I think in 2021, you have to build a brand, you have to build that credibility so that people can trust your brand and people can buy confidently and continue to come back.
1: I think it's a very valid point. And I would just add the context that for most most people we know who are tuning into this podcast and listening to this episode I think I'd 100% agree with Byron for most of you in terms of finding we we were umming and ahhing earlier about using the word niche on this point finding what works and as Byron says building a brand around that the curveball I sort of threw into the conversation about the word niche is well hang on a minute some of our larger you know international global retailers at spec that we work with and do SEO and PPC work for those guys some of them do sell everything TJ Maxx, as an example, is a client we spent years working with. And they literally do everything from ski wear to luggage to all your clothing to uh, games. You can buy toys and games. It really is a bit of everything. And I think that's where it comes down to organization. So I completely agree with you, Byron. I think the, the way they've built their
2: brand around that. I think works well. I think by all means, you can continue to grow your product range as you grow as a business. But I think it can be very hard to try and market and sell every kind of product to begin with, especially if you don't have a big marketing budget. So yeah, I I would say if someone's just starting out and they don't have loads and loads and loads of money as startup capital, it could be a good option to Yeah, just be a bit more focused in your site and products that you have on it. Definitely. I think to give an example of that as well, I for
1: years ran my own Shopify store selling bamboo sunglasses, which I'll be honest, I did not follow any of the advice from from this podcast at the time. I was probably the worst store owner in history in that sense. But um, I was really good at the SEO and the PPC and the marketing side of it and the technical side. The thing we fell with, we just kind of bought some stuff on Alibaba. We didn't really build a brand. We, we built some brands. I think it's probably unfair on the, on the rest of the team, but we didn't really build the brands. And what we didn't have as well was complementary products. We just sold the sunglasses. But to make the point that if you sold sunglasses, think about complementary products, not just as you say, Baron. Every product. So you could include like full clothing outfits in that. But then it's like, okay, now are we a sunglasses brand that sell clothing, or are we a clothing brand and sunglasses part of that? And actually, did people really like and buy into the fact that we were a cool? sunglasses brand so we, the business was called Solis. so Solis meaning sun in latin it was quite clear that sun glasses and sun we actually joked about calling them solace glasses instead of sunglasses so yeah you see building things that are relevant i think is really really key in that as well so what's your next point then nick my next one i'll try not to moan too much about this do your numbers well sorry things to avoid because obviously we're, the title is avoid 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 just diving into stuff do your numbers properly I I would recommend to anyone running a business to go on some sort of financial accounting course. If you're anything like me, you plan to always have an accountant. But actually, I have much better conversations with my accountant now that I've had some sort of financial training or at least learned along the way what to do with numbers. And I think with an e-commerce store, it's never been more true. So with PPC, for example, if you're spending money on advertisements coming into your website, you need to know... How many clicks equal a sale? What the average value of that sale is? And therefore, how many sales do you need or how many clicks per click to sale ratio? What does that ratio need to look like to make profit? A lot of stores that I talk to that are quite early stage haven't done their numbers. And then when you start asking questions about what are your margins? Oh, they're 20%. Okay, but your advertising to cost to revenue does not add up. That is way over 20%. So you're making a loss and you're not getting any repeat orders. And then when you tell them that, they're sort of gobsmacked. So what are your thoughts on the financials? Because of course you talk to a lot of, Our Parker store owners, what what do you find, Byron? With that,
2: yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's it's the fundamentals, isn't it? You've got to kind of start with that, and then that kind of helps build out the strategy from that. Because, like you said, if you if you don't allow for any other expenses, like the marketing budget or or any kind of expense on top of that, then then you start obviously making a loss. So, I think yeah, it's it's extremely important to know your numbers from the offset. And, and definitely one's prioritise. What's third on your list then? So number three for me is don't assume your target audience cares about your business as much as you do. <laughs> love <laughs> it. Can, it might sound a bit harsh, but um, it's, it's very true. It, it, you can sometimes get so wrapped up in your own brand and your own business. And you think it's like the best thing since sliced bread, but really like it's because it's be, you've been working on it, right. And it's your baby and you're taken pride in that. And that's good. That's great. And and you should, you should, that's how you should feel towards a business but at the same time you just need to obviously bear in mind and keep in mind that your audience and your customers are extremely busy people and they might kind of recognize your brand or your products or your business but they're going to need constant repetition to remember them and to be kept in mind so yeah that that was number three for me what do you think on that nick I think, yeah, I think it's a real challenge because one of the things that a lot of the guys, a lot of you
1: guys listening to this won't have is you're, you're not a high street brand, as we call it in the UK. You don't have hundreds, thousands of stores across the world. A lot of you are e-commerce only or e-commerce first. Therefore, people are not going to arrive at your store generally knowing who you are, especially your new customers. So if you're acquiring a new customer, it's first time. So sometimes we found it quite good to sort of really push brand and get people to engage with brands. Most of the time though, with Shopify anyway, and sort of general e com and sort of just pure play online e-commerce brands, the best thing to do is just get them through the cart as quickly as possible. Once they're hooked in, now we can start telling a bit more of a story through email and stuff. So I'm not saying to dis- disregard brand altogether, but I think in terms of yeah in terms of how much customers care about your brand, that first sale is probably a, ooh, who are these guys? Can I trust them? Is the product any good? Those are the sort of things you really want to answer less about and it, it, it pains my heart to say this because I personally read a lot of books and listen to a lot of podcasts and watch YouTube videos of entrepreneurs talking about their stories and I love sharing my story, especially if i 'm about to hear somebody else's as well, like you know sort of comparing notes but I'm afraid customers just don't care. Not at this point anyway. There's a bit of that, but it's very, very difficult on a web page to get across kind of 200-year-old business, family run, we've been making shoes since 1820. That, that's a really difficult message to get across. It can be done, but then also what that also does is it sets different levels in customers' minds about price points and does this feel a bit too expensive? If they're handmade, can I afford them? And that all comes back to what we are talking about earlier about your target audience and who you are and who you should be selling to in the first place. So it really is difficult. But yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying, Byron. I think your customers are never going to care about your brand as much as you do. So then you've really got to think about your web content, your logo, your branding, etc., to make sure that there is a mix. There's enough brand that it feels a bit unique and there's a reason to buy from these guys. But also you get the fundamentals across, you do get the sale through the door, and then you can start to tell the story a bit more long term. Or or even when the product arrives, why not put in a, a two page leaflet in the product itself saying like how we started? And there's a picture of Jack who makes shoes and has been making them for thirty years. And it's you know, it's a little thing, Jack made this pair of shoes for you in a handwritten
2: note, hope you enjoy them. You know, yeah, something like that. Definitely, definitely. All things like that that can help, I suppose, remain in your customer's memory for as long as possible and and stay there and and build that brand credibility and equity as well is is super important. So yeah, agree with all of those points. So what's number three for you then, Nick? Well, I'm about to
1: shoot myself in the head slightly in terms of talking about agencies. As a a business, my team in London, we position ourselves a bit more of a consultancy. Um, We still do all the traditional agency stuff, but we like to focus on helping a business grow so we're not we're not interested in just managing your ads for you, et cetera. We want to help a business grow so off the back of that, my number three point is don't believe everything you're told. what I want to expand on within that is just to say that have a think about what everybody's kPI or incentive is in the conversations you're having so my incentive of running this podcast is we want to be seen as somebody who's got some good credibility and authority within shopify that's our aim here so We have to give good advice. Otherwise, you won't think that about us. If you then apply that to an agency, if you think about it for a sec, what is an agency's KPI? Well, they want to sell you a marketing contract and take your money. That is their KPI. That's what they're aiming to do. Therefore, if you just believe everything they tell you, oh yeah, it's all rubbish, we're going to do a better job. Then going back to another episode that we did on the podcast um about six months ago or something, um I just did a, an episode just saying we've had about six companies contests to so say we've been burnt by agencies, etc. We've gone from supplier to supplier and it's not music to our ears to hear that when we're supposed to be engaging and talking about working with you. So I think just... Yeah, trying things yourself, asking for proof, looking at the full picture. How is this really going to help our business? Because I think certainly in your earlier stages, it's it's fundamental that you don't waste money. You don't have money to waste. There's investing money in an advertising campaign to get some data, knowing you're probably not going to make profit the first time. But getting some data so then you can make a better stab at it next time, that's a good investment. Whereas just signing up to some service or assuming everybody's going to, this agency here are going to solve all your problems. They're just not going to do that. There was a famous uh, famous saying I, I heard years ago. that was something along the lines of, if you learn a trade yourself, it's easy to find somebody else to get them to do it for you. If you just have to purely rely on somebody else, like going back to the doing your numbers, finance, etc., it's going to be a real challenge to find a good supplier because you're not going to brief them properly. You're not going to engage with them properly. And as my uncle always used to tell me before he retired and he was an accountant, he always used to say, you only get out of supplier what you put in. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this, because Ben, you've probably talked to lots of store owners about this.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's been many times where I've been speaking to clients or speaking to store owners and they've spent thousands of dollars and thousands of pounds on marketing agencies and and not seen the return that they're expecting. And I think a big part of that, obviously, it really does come down to obviously doing your research, like understanding kind of what the return is and what can they help you with and also the expectation as well. I think that's a big one. Really understanding what that agency or what that service can give you. The targets, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Just so that just so you're not going in there expecting the world and then being disappointed if you don't get it. But at the same time, you have a very good understanding of this agency should be doing X, Y, and Z. And I think that's very important. Perfect. What's the next one on your list? Then Number four, I think we're at. Yeah. So this one, I feel like it's kind of maybe been mentioned in other ones, (laughs) but it's don't assume your customer. So don't just quite often people think that they have a perfect understanding of who their customer is. Maybe it's because they're interested in their product. So then they assume that people very similar to them would be interested in the product as well maybe it's the case but maybe sometimes it's not like as we were talking earlier about like bias towards your business sometimes you can be a bit more biased towards your business and your products than necessarily other other people so a really good way to understand this is like run running focus groups just getting in the mind of who you think your target customer is understanding like whether they would actually buy something from you a big tell is if they actually make a purchase it's all well and good people being like yeah yeah I love that like i love the idea i love the business i love the products i love all of this but just have they have they actually made a transaction because at that stage if they make a transaction then that's really your target customer so yeah that's that's my thoughts anyway on it nick what would you think
1: completely agree and i think one of the things you mentioned about focus groups listen back to the last three or four episodes if that resonates with you or you've never done it before In fact, everybody, go back the go back the last few episodes because if you've not certainly if you've not done it, this should be important to you. Is running focus groups. At the moment, we can't get out and play and go to pubs and run open evenings, go and even do a road trip and go and visit some customers. They just say, can I come to your front door for 10 minutes and ask you some questions about our business? I'm the CEO. I'd love to know more about how you found things. I, I, Byron talks to most of our clients. today. I do this a lot and I learn more in those conversations than any other conversation I have. Where people say, I really like this about your business, but I didn't really get that. That's a focus group. I mean, it might be a focus, not necessarily a group, but a one-on-one session. Focus call. Exactly. A
2: focus call. And
1: Deliciously Guilt Free, who we had on a few weeks ago, go and listen to their podcast because they they talk about some really, really good stuff. When Dan was outlining how they communicate with customers, the fact they've got this kind of, they do doing like the keto diets, but they all do them at the same time now. And he's kind of there going, this is weird. I run a business. These are my customers. but well, they're doing keto diet pushes together. Like they're all doing the diet the same week or month or however the keto diet works. And I think that's so important. But what you'll often find as well, and we've had so many scenarios of this. And I, I'll say about a game in a second. I play with clients. They just don't know who their customers are. They don't really understand who's actually coming on the site. And I play a game where we use Google Analytics, which isn't bulletproof in this sense, in terms of age, demographics, locations. It's pretty good, but it's not, it's not the beal and end all. It gives you a bit of data, but not a lot. But we play the game of saying to people, like, what percentage of your audience do you think is female or male? And everybody kind of writes down an answer like, oh, it must be 80% male because we sell men's clothes. And it's like, nope, 60% female. You don't wow. have a single female item, but clearly buying it for somebody else. Yeah, and then yeah. one particular client, we did a <laughs> they did a focus group, and they sent us the results of it. And what was hilarious, it was it was that kind of thing, like only men's products. But it turned out women were buying them, and they made all these assumptions. When they actually asked some of those women, like, "Why were you buying our products?" the women said, "I really like them," and it was like, "Okay, so do you wear them?" And they're like, "Yeah, I wear them." And it's like, they're actually wearing men's like loungewear and stuff
2: because they just really liked it. So all of a sudden it becomes unisex and you could market that in a completely different way. Yeah, exactly that.
1: Well, we ended up, we kept it male and female, but we released a female range, uh, but we called it the boyfriend look. So it was exactly the same product, just came in slightly different packaging because that that's why they were buying it. It's like, I wish my boyfriend wore stuff like this,
2: so I'm going to buy it and wear it anyway. Yeah. I think just speaking to customers is one of the best ways that you can do market research. And, and a lot of people don't do it. So if you contact your customers, ask to have a chat with them, kind of, yeah, just what Nick was saying, ask why they bought, what really compelled them to buy, you'll get so much information, um, so much data. And, and also, they will love the fact that you've done it. Like the fact that you've reached out and actually contacted them and asked to have a chat with them and all that kind of thing. Like, you know, it's that real personal connection to your brand. Um, and just helps build that connection even stronger. Cool. So
1: yeah, onto my number four, I think we're at. I'm just trying to keep track in my head of where we are. Number four of mine, I'm going to do a very, very light touch on this one because it's a massive topic. Social is not a silver bullet. And sometimes, I say sometimes more often than not, we actually outline that social isn't a bullet at all. But actually it's a distraction with some lots of target groups and target customer groups it becomes a sort of second stage you made your purchase now go and follow us on facebook and the problem is you have to incentivize them a lot of the time so you say exclusive offers they go on your facebook page they follow you for a bit they're still there as a number but they're not engaged um we've seen so many social profiles over the years of businesses that have five hundred thousand, a million followers and then you look at the most recent posts and it's like 20 likes five likes it's like. If you've got all these followers, where are they? Why are they? I, mean, I, I know part of that's down to the algorithms, but yeah, I just wanted to make a very quick point on this one that social is not a silver bullet. Like it's, it's not going to deliver revenue overnight. I would actually recommend you don't focus on it too quickly unless you personally or one of the founders of the business has a big social footprint. So if there is a celebrity or you know, somebody who's well-known in a particular sport, that's a good way actually to drive tons and tons of revenue. But certainly in terms of getting people just to follow you I wouldn't put too much time into it. What do you think, Byron? Because you've got quite a good background in social as well, I know. Very, very
2: interesting you say that. I Yeah, I agree with it most of the part. I think it, it is quite business dependent. It obviously all comes down to like where your audience is spending their time But at the same time, like what you were saying about these businesses that have half a million or a million followers, but aren't getting that engagement, they should be really leveraging and doing community-focused things to get that engagement because that in itself will build brand equity, it'll build brand credibility. And then when they are releasing these products and getting them out there, that should hopefully drive more sales as well. But yeah, again, it all comes down to where the target customer is, are spending their time. And I, I completely agree that it's not a silver bullet. I think a lot of people just think, oh, I'll just run an ad, I'll put, I'll chuck an ad out there and we'll make loads of sales. And that's that's that. Nice, nice and easy. But It never works like that. I tell you what the worst thing is, the real worst thing about social
1: media, which drives me mad. Obviously, at Parker, we just work on Shopify. But at Spec 50% of our business is not e-commerce. It's lead generation. And the worst thing is when you get like an old industrial IT company. And I'll be really, really stereotypical here. There's maybe like 20 blokes who are all in their 50s who, you know, sell phone systems or whatever. And they're all yeah. going, oh, let's make a Facebook page. Yeah. <laughs> you guys don't use yeah, Facebook. Exactly. This is an industrial phone system. The minimum amount of phones you will deliver to any one individual client is 100. So you need businesses of 100 staff or more. Or with a requirement for a hundred phones or more before you're even interested in talking? Do you really think the IT directors at, you know, large, large companies around the UK and the US, do you really think they're going they're plugging around Facebook looking for their next IT company? I'm afraid they're just not. That said, we had an IT company that sold phone systems. They joined Facebook and they made an absolute fortune from it. The way they did it though is they targeted the startup market because there's loads of startups on there. So they were saying, have a professional phone system. It's a soft phone. It's you get a mobile app on your mobile with a 0208 number or something that looks really smart, like a free phone number sort of thing. That didn't work. But yeah, the way, the way we often put it, and we, I did an episode ages ago, of Google ads versus Facebook ads. And I think it's a really good example of, on Facebook, people are minding their own business, doing their own thing. You have to have something really eye-catching to it, attract their attention and probably pay for it. Whereas on Google, you can have SEO as well as PPC and people are looking for it. They're buy ready. If I'm searching for mountain bikes, I want to buy a mountain bike. I'm not searching just out of pure interest. And if I am, I'm probably not going to be clicking on products. I'm probably going to be looking on blogs and interesting sites. That kind Yeah, of thing, yeah. So. Very
2: true. Very, very true. Yeah. Anyway, Byron,
1: number five, what is the final thing on your list of the top 10 things to avoid? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So number five is don't make it difficult for customers to buy which i suppose maybe there's some crossover in what we mentioned earlier but just make it as easy as possible you know and give them that opportunity to buy more than one product if they want to give them that opportunity when they're on your site when they're looking to buy and they add things to their cart they're extremely warm leads extremely warm they're very very interested in buying that thing so at that point get them across the line but also help them understand and see that there's these other opportunities and there's these other products that you do offer that maybe they'll like as well to really drive that customer value up. So yeah, that that would be my thoughts anyway. What do you think Nick? Yeah, definitely. I think it's uh it's an interesting one and
1: one of the most interesting examples and this was a real client of ours. We were looking at their average order value and it was like 19.99. So 19.19 19 euros 99 cents. And the difficulty was we were looking at it going, that's weird. We sell loads of products on the site. They all cost $19.99, but has nobody ever bought more than one? But average order value was just flat. And we were like, this is really weird. And then they launched some um, other products that were cheaper. Nobody bought any of them. And we were like, "This is again, this is really weird. What's going? So we had a look. And all I did, going back to the very, very first point I made, use your website yourself and be very critical about it. We went on the website looked at a product page, and there were two options, buy now or buy now with PayPal. So the issue was there was no way of adding like two or three products to cart. And because there was no cart, there was no upsell, there was no kind of, you're buying this product, so why don't you buy this one as well? You know, like, because all the product was kind of a main product and lots of accessories that go with it. And no one could buy the accessories because you have to make a separate purchase
2: and delivery wasn't free. So, yeah, don't make those mistakes. So there you go. Just a prime example of (laughs) making sure it's very easy for your customers to buy and, and don't close off those opportunities. So what's your final point then, Nick?
1: Yeah, my final point, and I think, again, these weren't in any particular order, but I do think this is probably one of the most important ones. And this is about keeping it simple, like focusing on just making sure does the site work. In terms of user journeys as well, you're going to get infinite user journeys. So if you try and record every user journey on your website, It's going to be infinite. Every single one of them has looked at a slightly different page somewhere. So the best thing to do with user journeys is to look at the page they land on. So in terms of keeping it simple and focusing on the main thing first, have a think about where people land on your website. And I'll give you three examples of the most common places that three people land on an e-commerce website. The first one is the homepage. If they have typed in your brand, so if you've got a bit of brand awareness, they'll land on the homepage. So they already probably know who the brand is. So actually, you don't really need to tell your brand story in too much detail on the homepage. Everybody makes that mistake. The second thing is SEO. Most ranking page for SEO is going to be your categories or collections, as they're called within Shopify. So then you need to make sure if somebody lands on a collection, it doesn't just say men's t-shirts and there's a load of men's t-shirts or ski goggles and there's a load of ski goggles. This is the first entry point. You know, like hey, welcome to the business. This is what we're all about. Don't get me wrong, we need to make sure lift and shift is still there so people can get to products quickly, add them to basket quickly, see prices, etc. We don't want to send them on some massive long journey of getting there because we would have lost all of them within two or three clicks or 20 seconds kind of thing. But yeah, the second most important place is categories. So have a think about your collection pages. What do they say about the business? Do they have our USPs on? Are you already like 20, 30% of the way to making a buying decision if you land on this page? Because that is how SEO works. People don't type in the product number. They're not going to type in your brand because they don't know who you are yet. They're going to type in men's t-shirts or ski goggles, that kind of thing. The third place people land and every business will have a different makeup of the three places. But the third one is product pages. And this is where most Shopify stores fall down. On a product page, you've got all of your Google shopping traffic arriving on that page. So if you've not got enough information to make a buying decision on that product page and get people to add to cart when they land on that page or at least be able to easily get back through into a collection to see all the other ones in this collection, understand a little bit about the business, etc. If your product pages just have an image or a few images of the product, the spec and the price, and that's it, and then straight into either your footer or customers also bought, you've probably already lost them. And that is a real, real challenge because you paid all that money to get them in to your product page. So I would say keep it simple and just think black and white. Where are people landing on our site? They're landing in these areas. Have a look at your Google Analytics to see what pages they are landing on. And just be really, really clear with your designers, your internal team, or if it's just you, be really clear on yourself. This page needs to be improved. If I landed here, these are all the questions I would have. And as Byron said earlier, run focus groups, ask customers, what's wrong? Why do you like this? Why do you
2: not? Um, what are your thoughts on that, Byron? Because you look at a lot of Shopify stores probably hundreds every week. I think almost if you can handle those objections before they even have to go anywhere, you know, if you have all that information there and as much information there as possible to help them make that decision. Yeah, I think I completely agree. I think I could like massively increase conversions. And like you said, you've done all the hard work in terms of getting them there. They're clearly interested to a certain degree if they're there. So yeah, really like what you said about getting in the mind of of that customer, what questions would they have? what information would they want more of? Yeah, I think that's a very, very good point. Absolutely.
1: Cool. I think the the final thing to add on that as well is a lot of store owners do get very carried away with all these fancy apps and especially Shopify, you got the free app library and they all come with free trials and let's add all the review platforms. And it's like, now we've got five review platforms that all say that we have one five-star review each. Like that's a bit, it's a bit thin. <laughs> it doesn't really say anything. And there's five places for a customer to go if they want to read your five reviews. Yeah, I think before you get carried away, that just make sure the basics are in there. And if you're unsure on that, read some guides, see if you can get a free Shopify audit online, have a chat with Shopify, send it over to us. Um, we'll have a look at some of services. We do a website audit, etc. So there's loads and loads of things you can do to find out if your site is doing what it needs to. But ultimately the data is where you need to go. And it goes back to my understanding of financials and the data. Um, know your numbers, know what you need to do to make profit. I'll be perfectly honest with you all. The reason I stopped running my Shopify business is one afternoon. I did the numbers and I had the biggest killer number to compare my numbers to, which is the reason we stopped doing it. Um, I totaled up how many orders we would need to make to pay me and my business partner £20,000 a year each. And when I did those numbers, I I really should have done this uh, three years in advance, but I didn't. I did it three years into the business. We realized it was something like 600 a day orders on average that we would need to do to make us both twenty k. Then we both looked at our own businesses we both run agencies and what do we need to do to make 20k and the answer was basically just get out of bed in the morning because <laughs> our businesses are doing really well and that was the killer number so again same with conversion rates when it comes to simplicity and adding apps all that stuff, know your numbers make sure you know exactly where you're going to make profit how you're going to get there and if you don't know how to do that look for some resource to answer those questions because just going out and trying stuff unfortunately it's not that easy and the, the volume of Shopify stores, I think, it, I forget the exact number. I think it doubled in Q2 of last year alone, the number of stores out there. So competition is getting more fierce. Anyway, Byron, thanks so much for joining us. It's been great to have you on the show today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been really, really good. Good to chat. Cool. And I'm sure that's, uh, you know, welcome voice
1: to a lot of you that have worked with us already. who have spoken to Byron over the years. But um, we'll be back next week. We're kicking off this series of Bright Pearl all about trust. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And uh, yeah, look look forward to having you all us again next week for a very special guest who we're just finalizing at the moment. So speak to you all soon. Thanks a lot.
0: Sign up for free for the Shopify approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.